Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, Reiki master, energy teacher, medium, and author of my newest book in a trilogy, A New Life Awaits, Spirit-Guided Insights to Support Global Awakening. And it discusses challenges as not being merely economic, political, or societal, but a deep disconnect from our inner being or soul wisdom. I am delighted today to welcome Courtney Marchesani, author of Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive, offering ways to embrace the science of sensitivity to heal anxiety and relationships and connect deeply with your inner world of knowingness. Hello, Courtney, and thank you for joining us on Healing from Within to help bring awareness of the nature of sensitives, their talents, and ways to help them develop and use their gifts for healing and living their best lives. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Courtney, as listeners over the years have come to expect... My guests and I share intimate insights into the nature of our duality or physical and also energetic or soul life forces. It is in coming to understand that our lives provide the backdrop for us to remember who we are as spiritual beings having a physical life which helps refine our inner soul energy and to advance higher consciousness or awareness of all that is. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Courtney Marchesani will explore how sensitivity shapes who we are and supports us in life. An integrative health coach, she demystifies the science of sensitivity to help us maximize our unique gifts of empathy, intuition, vision, and expression. Highly sensitive people, also known as H. SP, experience and perceive the world differently uh, with uh, her mind-body method and learn sharing and coping skills to manage the onslaught of intense emotions and sensations, helping uh, to live effectively. She also discusses stress reduction, techniques including breath work, aromatherapy, sleep remedies, and the ancient art of Ayurveda. Courtney, I always love to ask my amazing authors to think back to their childhood. We were just talking about that before the show started. And remember a person, place, or event that may have signaled to them or others the lifestyle and interests they might pursue as an adult. For surely the story of our lives is written within and is unfolding each day in a way that was meant to be. Well, I think that, you know, it's so interesting to think back to the childhood because, um, you know, I have specific memories uh, about being a very imaginative, you know, just opening to the imagination. And I also, um, it was immersed in nature quite a bit. Um, We lived on a five-acre plot in Pennsylvania and I was just out in the woods all the time. And so one of the things that um, just occurs to me as I think back on that sometimes is that I was really getting an education from nature um, most of my childhood. 
Um, it was a place that I fleed to really out of safety and necessity to be out of my house, but I also feel like it was a great place to be educated because um, that's something that really has been lost nowadays. So I think the earliest memories I have of being out in the woods kind of predicted my work later, connecting with nature, especially spiritually. That's interesting, because I I was a city kid, and I wasn't so happy living in the city with the noise and the smells, and as a sensitive, it, it was more for me than for some other people. So when the when the sirens and the horns and I, I would vibrate because it it was a lot for me uh, to take in. But I did love also going in the summer to the country, the mountains, and being in nature, playing with the little salamanders, walking by the brook, swimming in the in the pool, being underwater. I was free. I was connected, uh, free of all the mm, input of unpleasant things around me. So we have that synchronicity going on there. Oh, definitely with the salamanders. That's one of my favorite memories. Is, <laughs> uh, there, there we had a, it was called an archery range. So there was an archery range across from our house where hunters would come and, um, you know, shoot their bows on targets. But in behind the house we had a, was a trail where the archers would go up the trail and then try different shots and, you know, just more agility and things. Well, I would go up that trail and um, in the summertime dig underneath the moss and stuff. And one of my favorite memories is finding this red salamander. Yes! Under they, there. They, they were red. I thought they were so cool. <laughs> I wasn't afraid of them now. I let them run up my arm, but I don't know if I would do that now. <laughs> but then yeah, it was fun. I saw fun. one. I was back in Pennsylvania uh, last summer, and I saw an orange one running underneath the woodpile and... I took a couple of photos of it because it just was so fun. Reminded me of my childhood. Salamanders are really magical creatures. Well, maybe that's why I was so <laughs> drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, when did you notice there was something unusual happening with your gifts? I didn't sensitive. notice it really objectively until much later in my life. I was in my 20s. When I saw the intuition, it was an intuitive ability that was sparked. I think it was through um, safety and and um, dangerous situations. And my intuition spoke to me first through my dreams. So that's how I saw it first. And they were precognitive dreams. So I would see um, a situation play out in real life, and then I would, um, you know, I would see it beforehand in my dream. But it wasn't just like an intuitive. Um, knowing it was actually exactly. Um, so it was as if when the dream happened, it happened exactly in real life. And that's pretty rare, but that's yeah. when I first noticed it happen and it started unfolding in my mid-20s. Yeah, I have that happen too. Were you mm-hmm. able ever uh, to to stop something from happening in your dream that Oh, yeah. Happened? Oh, yeah. It, did it, it helped you having that sense. Definitely. It was always kind of a mind bender for me because the warnings were sometimes, um, the first warning that came through, um, you know, it it actually played out as I saw it on the dream. Um, But I do believe that having that precognition enabled me to make decisions about um, basically strategies, how to keep myself and my daughter safe. But yes, I've had two or three huge 
prophetic dreams that enabled me to change the future. But like I said, it's kind of a mind bender because you wonder how can you change the future. Um, well, sometimes you can't. No, sometimes right. you can't. I'll, I've I'll always t- been curious about that, though, about yeah, how it's yeah. possible, because I did seem to be able to on two different occasions. Well, so um, absolutely, it can be changed. Sometimes uh, the dreams are there on the precognitive vision is there to help you, but sometimes it can't be changed. I'll give you an example of how it can't be changed. I was flying in from uh, this over 20 years ago. I was flying in from Canada to New York, and it was a beautiful day, sunny day. The whole city was visible, and a thought went through my head. If a plane goes into the buildings, it's going to cause a lot of damage. And I said to myself, why would I have a thought like that? Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Reject, reject that thought. And a week later, we had 9-11, and there were other mediums. I would, at the time was working with a medium, John Edward, and... uh they had insight too, but it couldn't have been stopped because it was part of a universal plan for a revolution and it had to happen. Yeah. Well, I, I question. You, you know. Yeah, um, I questioned it. I've seen subtle differences between the different types. Um, just documenting and tracking my own um, precognitions, you know, sometimes there are just flashes which, um, you know, some scientists talk about the flashes and the precognitions as like a retro causality, that it's already happened. Um, and physics allows us to, you know, through non-locality, see yes, it before, before it happens. Know, yes, and so there is that theory about it. But then there is the big prophetic, almost spiritual um, insights that you get that I do believe are part of a destiny, and sometimes that goes out beyond our personal destiny. And that's kind of where you go with it, is that it's a universal destiny, that we need to live through something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of us felt bad because it would have been great if somebody could have prevented it, but, but it, it was meant to happen just the way it did. Uh, mm. So let's go on to how do you separate these experiences between coincidence, synchronicity, or self-fulfilling prophecy? Because they're messages. They're all messages. That's the the best question because a lot of times skeptics, when I started on this path, you know, over 20 years ago now, um, you know, a lot of my friends were very skeptical. And they would ask, what's the difference between, you know, a precognition and a self-fulfilling prophecy? And I do believe that there is subtle nuances, especially in the gifted intuitive who has the ability to get information from their own subconscious that is very synchronistic and it feels synchronistic. Um, you know, Jung talked a lot about that, about the balance when um, intuitives are searching for an answer, synchronistically it'll come and it works that way as a balance between the conscious mind, the unconscious mind and synchronicity helps, you know, when you're working on a very difficult problem. But I believe that it's different from self-fulfilling prophecy when unconsciously you do, you're not aware. You're not aware that you're calling things to you or experiences. And so I do believe it's most of that and those subtle nuances are between the conscious mind and the subconscious and the balance. And so you can really look into the finer aspects of what's arriving in the person's consciousness and be able to tell if well, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I kind of think 
uh, once you become aware of coincidence and synchronicity, you're already opening up to your mm -hmm. own inner uh, soul wisdom, intuition, connection to spirit, and uh, higher dimensions of life. And uh, they happen more and more. They are messages, messages to be used to help you with your own personal journey and to help those around you because you were given these gifts to, to use them and to uh, help yourself and others. And self-fulfilling prophecy, well, I look at it this way. If you put your thought and intention on something, whether it's positive or negative, it will manifest because the universe doesn't sort of figure, oh, that's not good for Cheryl. I'm not going to give her that. You know, she just thought she might break that dish. Well, I'm going to give her that. She just thought she might break that dish. That dish breaks. And uh, it just happened to me the other day. I was coming from a store. I asked the girl to wrap this particular item and put it in a plastic bag so it would be protective. I got into my car. It was on the seat. It fell down and broke. See, because I put that out in my thought. And mm -hmm. if I would have just thought, oh, I really am going to enjoy taking this object home and, and it's a wonderful object and I'm going to look at it and get pleasure from it, would have been a whole different set, of a whole different reality. So our thoughts are very important. And uh, right. we are manifesting a great deal of what happens to us both positive and negative and then again it's not really positive or negative it's just experience that we need to gather now let's go on to can you describe the four gifts and how you think these gifts affect people well the briefly um, because there's so much information yeah the way that i talk about the gifts is under the umbrella of sensitivity so it's, just, it's good just to clarify that the giftedness I'm talking about is individuals who are highly sensitive. Typically, these patterns emerge from talent that have been developed over the person's lifetime, whether they recognize it or not. And so the empath is the first one that I talk about in the book. And the empathy is it's a first-person resonance with someone else's feelings. So you're feeling someone else's feelings in your own mind and body. Mm. The difference between just having empathy, typical empathy that we all have as human beings, from that first-person resonance with someone else's feelings, where you get into the gifted, sensitive empathy is when that spectrum is pretty far out. And so the gifted empath, the sensitive empath, doesn't necessarily recognize that there's someone else's feelings. Well, that's how I was as a child <laughs> when I was sick all the time, picking up everyone's pain and fear right. and, and illness. Yeah, as a child, I was always treated with antibiotics, but I really wasn't sick. I was just picking up um, everybody's fears. Well, yeah. that's very common, especially with the empath and the gifted empath, because they're so far out in the spectrum, that that distinction between their self and someone else really isn't there. Um, so they're just feeling other feelings all the time. And so um, there's different types of empathy, and I go into that in the book, where there's, um, there's cognitive empathy, there's animal and, and geophysical empathy, and there's different types of gifted empath, like the spiritual gifted empath, which sounds like you um, might fall in the gifted spiritual empath. 
um, archetype. And so there's different types of empathy. There's the counselor empath, there's the compassionate empath, there's the, the healer empath. Mm-hmm. And so I break those all down with how the gifts show up for the gifted empath. Um, then there's intuition and intuitive. And the intuitive is kind of how I described already, that it's not a logical thought process. It's really getting from A to Z without knowing how or why you get there. So mm-hmm. answers just arrive for the intuitive. And if you're a creative intuitive or an artistic intuitive, a lot of times those individuals describe the answer coming before they've even asked a question. That's how uh, profound it is. And so it's not using intellectualism or rationality. It's just getting the answer and knowing, also having that inner um, an inner knowing that it's right, right on target. Um, also, similar to the empath, there's different types of intuitives. Um, then there's the visionary. Visionaries have a mind's eye where they perceive information, whether that's visual images or um, you know, facial recognition or spatial awareness. They have a very, very clear inner vision where they solve problems. And um, you know, it could be clairvoyant, but it also could be other types of subtle uh, visionary experiences where they are able to, sometimes they have photographic memory, and so they can see directions and mapping, and visionaries are just phenomenal. They have a phenomenal skill set to be able to solve problems visually. Uh, Then there's the um, expressive. The expressives are, when I did all the research on sensitivity, there was a sub-factor called aesthetic sensitivity, which is the perception of harmony and beauty in one's environment. And um, when I drilled down into that aesthetic sensitivity, it seemed to fit this pattern where these individuals are synthesizing or fusing between themselves and their environment, including with other people, feeling that beauty and that harmony, and then they're expressing it through their embodiment, through art, writing, dancing, painting, um, all kinds of expressive language. So the, they have a adaptability for expressing in their unique language aesthetic sensitivity or the beauty they so profoundly feel in their environment. Yes, I have a granddaughter like that. Mm-hmm. I'm a little like that with my writing. Uh, yeah, it's very it's very interesting. I think sensitive people have a bit of all of these uh, different uh, factors that you put different categories that you're putting out here. I myself personally have, uh, you know, work in all of them, but I am stronger in the um, empathic and intuitive and clairvoyant, uh, but I don't see holograms. I have had friends who actually are healers who actually see into the body uh, of a person and can see illness. I can feel it. But mm-hmm. I don't see it holographically. So I think uh, that can be difficult, actually, the felt sense. When you're an empath and it's a felt sense where you're getting the information in, I think that can be one of the most challenging yeah, to, well, to discern and to, um, to develop. It took me a time. long time to figure it out. But when I did about 25 years ago, and I realized what we're dealing with, we're dealing with energy. We're dealing with people whose bodies are highly sensitive to energy. Everybody Mm -hmm. has a bit of intuition. Everybody's a bit empathic. Everybody may have a dream that's prophetic once in a while. But to work with it all the time, your body is altered 
it's 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 you're different <laughs> physically as well as maybe emotionally and spiritually and it's a great gift but it is a challenge too as you know so we will go on to this is a story that i like i want to get into that story uh about daniel day lewis mm-hmm. you write about some of the people who who have had gifts like albert einstein oprah winfrey mm-hmm. steve mm-hmm. jobs carlos santana uh highly evolved people and you you Let's get to this question. Are sensitive people always open-minded to their gifts? And have you ever had a negative reaction about these gifts? Or no, they're have not any always other open-minded people? about their gifts. That's I, the first answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that those people that you listed that I did biographies or profiles on are individuals that may or may not have known at first that they had these abilities, but then they developed them over time, and then they be they were able to make an impact, right? They made a, a very big impact on our world. And so they don't always know or they don't always accept it. So sometimes it's like fighting upstream, but then it, inevitably they do usually accept positive well, aspects of well, it. Well, you like that? I don't think that I was aware enough until later in life. Me too. And I definitely feel like there's a lot of conformity that happens between sensitives and their world where they conform. It's almost like a chameleon-like ability to adapt in different environments to become what you feel or what you think is warranted in these situations. So I think that's also a very common experience. But then if you do um, adapt like that for too long, inevitably what ends up happening is typically a breakdown. There will be a breakdown, and if what you happens don't, is the truth. If you don't use your gifts, you, if you right. don't, if you don't, oh. you're suppressing. It's a suppression of mm-hmm. who you really are, and that's when there's usually a breakdown happen that happens. Mm. Yep. Well, yeah. and so it's great to discover it. It's great to put the pieces of the puzzle together. It's great to util- utilize all these spiritual grit gifts because it helps you and it helps everyone else also because you're putting this energy into the world when you can use it. But I wanted to tell the story of Daniel Day-Lewis because I like that. He, as you know, is an accomplished actor, a sensitive expressive. He won an Oscar for his portrayal of um, the Irish artist Christy Brown who had cerebral palsy and was only able to use, I remember the movie, left foot for all his uh, tasks and to care for himself and write and paint. And Lewis was able to tap so deeply into these emotions. Even when he was on the set, he was in character. And and he could feel uh, what Brown felt and portray it so accurately. Uh, but what, what I like more about this story is a year earlier before doing this movie, uh, mm-hmm. Day-Lewis was in the title role Hamlet in London and during mm-hmm. the performance he saw the a soul or ghost of his own deceased father and no one right. else saw it and he was disturbed by it he was unnerved by it and um, sensitives have many gifts and it comes out sometimes when you're least expecting it and uh, I deal with this on a regular basis but for him he was very unnerved by it and so I want our audience to know who are listening Many people have these gifts, and they will show themselves at some point, and instead of denying them, 
uh, we should seek other people who can help us, uh, you know, explain it to us and help us learn to live beautifully with it instead of running away and maybe getting ill, as you said before, which can happen. And I'll tell you a story like Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm a medium, but I don't usually see. Only 4% of mediums see uh, a soul in front of them, you know, like a lawyer, like a real person. Mm-hmm. Well, one day, uh, my husband was pulling into the driveway, and I was talking to a friend on the phone, and I saw David coming in, and, and there was a woman in the passenger seat with him. She was very large with short white hair and very uh, in light, sort of in a, an illuminating light. So I told my friend I had to run and put some clothes on because David was bringing in a visitor. And when David got to the door... I said to him, where's the large woman that was in the car? And he says to me, nobody was in the car with me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I saw what what uh, Daniel Day-Lewis saw. I, it might have been his mother who had passed. I'm not sure, but it was it was uh, a soul, not, not in a body. So these things happen to people, and I've been uh, dealing with this a long time, and I had not seen it that way. Mm-hmm. Before that time, only in meditation would I sense and see and hear and smell and feel what they were showing me. But at any time, our gifts can expand, and we have to not be frightened. We have to be opened. This is all a beautiful thing to share with people. So let's go on to what do you want people to take away after reading your book? Well, I think it's everything that we've been touching on is just to know that it's, um, you know, there are different types of um, sensitivity that are on a spectrum. And so you need to know where you might be on the spectrum, but then there's also the development of the gift. So I always want people to have a takeaway that is, what is my own gift? How does it work for me? And then how can I maximize it? But also, how can I live in balance with it? Because a lot of times people complain who have sensitivity that it's just too much or that it's overwhelming or they feel like they're walking around in the world like a raw nerve. And so the other takeaway is um, understand how it works for you, but then also how to be in balance with it. That's the best takeaway, I think. Yeah. And I have, uh, in my own way, discovered what you just said. And I, I see it as the greatest gift. So I want to thank you, Courtney Marchesani, author of Four Gifts of the Highly Sensitive, which shares a detailed journey for exploring how sensitivity can be used to grow, evolve, and share the magic of the energetic world of possibilities in order to achieve greater awareness of self, family, community, and the universe. Understanding one's inner spiritual gifts makes all the difference, and reading this book will help you connect to your own talents. To purchase this book or to learn more about sensitivity, go to inspiredpotentials.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, Courtney has brilliantly explored the internal nature of an empath and spiritual healer, illuminating sensory intelligence, which is a profound ability to connect with the world by using the unique gift of sensitivity for positive input to friends, family, and community. We have seen through real-life cases 
how highly sensitive people experience and perceive the world differently and that through the use of the four gifts of empathy, intuition, vision, and expression, these gifted people, which account for about only 20% of the population, help to balance, harmonize, and heal the many people, places, and situations they work with. We have discussed the challenges and joys of the sensitive person. They may judge themselves a lot because it takes immense energy to cope with having intense emotions, reflecting on them, and enduring a, a, a judgmental world. As empaths, intuitives, visionaries, and expressives at times feel challenged, they may ask themselves why why can't we put it all together? For they so much want to heal the ills of friends and the world. And sensitive people have learned um, they can be introverted, they can be extroverted, and they process sensory information at a different speed than others. But when they are aware of their gifts and able to manage by various methods the overload, they are truly one of God's true miracles and often bring love and understanding to a world often hanging by a thread. Courtney and I would have you seek an introduction to the world of the spiritually gifted by exploring yoga, energy healing sessions, meditation, exploring the beautiful outdoors as a way to tap into your own spiritual awareness and in learning that we are all spiritual beings having a physical life and we can understand our challenges and find the way to conquer fear, limitation from within the heart of soul life. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and I invite you to visit my website to listen to and read about visionaries, spiritualists, scientists, metaphysicians, empaths, sensitives, authors, healers, and people in search of the miraculous quality of human and divine energies as we explore our inner and outer world. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you for listening.